0: and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System podcast. I feel like I was just trying to fix everyone else, but I wasn't fixing myself. Like I wasn't helping myself. And so here I was trying to do all this stuff for other people when I was the one that wasn't truly happy with what I was doing. So, it was like this switch, like, okay, I think I'm done for now. That sounds so bad. I'm done helping other people. It wasn't so like it wasn't so cut and dry, but I knew I needed to really shift my focus to me as opposed to other people for a while. And I just decided photography was gonna be how I would do it. This is the Portrait System podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Hi, everyone. So today's guest is actually me. <laughs> so we had some people reach out to us asking if I would be sharing my own story, and we invited back the lovely Christina Hauser, who is in episode number three and she's here to interview me. So we end up talking a lot about just you know my whole journey going from quitting my social work job to becoming a photographer. And we also get into what it's like running a business with two little kids and also how I manage two photography studios in two different states across the country. So yeah, lots of good stuff <laughs> to talk about today. So let's get started, and I hope you enjoy listening to me in the hot seat. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Hauser, and today
1: I get the privilege of interviewing Miss Nikki Klosser. Nikki, how are you? Hi, I'm so good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. You have done such an awesome job as the hostess of the Portrait System podcast, and I'm so excited that I get to sit here and speak
0: with you today about your journey. Oh, thank you. I always love talking to you, so this is just an extra bonus to my day today.
1: Fantastic. Well, what I really want to know is how did you get started on all this? Where did it begin for you? Where did your photography journey begin? And what were you doing before?
0: Oh, wow. That's a lot. I have to <laughs> think. Of, it's funny being on the other end of it, it's more nerve wracking. Okay. I guess I'll start back at the beginning of all of this. So, prior to being a photographer, I was a social worker. That's just something I went to undergraduate school for. I went to graduate school and got my master's in social work. And that's just what I did for years. I, I did family therapy, in-home family therapy. I was a school social worker. And I had been a school social worker for, I think, eight years at this point. And then I was I did in-home family therapy and other social work prior to that. But I had gotten to the point where I was just starting to feel really burned out. And it was starting to just affect my life and my personality. And Dan and I had met, Dan and I were born and raised in Michigan. We met in 2006. And then in 2008, decided to leave Michigan and move to Seattle. So on top of feeling really burned out in my career, I was also starting over in a new state and just trying to make friends. And, you know, it was just a lot, a lot going on. And on top of starting my life over somewhere else, I was in a job that was sucking the life out of me. I don't know how else to even really say it. And you know, I loved being a social worker for a long time. It was it was my identity, helping people and just trying to like make my difference in the world and so it's not that I always hated it, but it got to the point where after a while and I'm sure people out there listening who are in any sort of helping profession, it's not like someone walks into your office and is like, oh, "I have the best news. Yeah, I want you to work with this kid who's just doing amazingly In class, anytime someone walks in, there's a problem. And it just got to the point where it became really heavy. And Dan, my husband, was like, we need to talk. I feel like something's wrong, like you're depressed or something. And I was. That's normally not my disposition at all to be depressed. So I just knew I needed to make a change.
1: So something that's sucking your energy like that, a lot of people are in situations like that, but they don't either know how to leave them or they don't understand that there's a way out. Was other than that conversation with your husband, what was the true turning point where you figured I have to do something else? Or was it something else in general? Or did you know I'm going from this to photography specifically?
0: I'm kind of someone who if I am unhappy in a situation, I can't just let it be that situation. I have to find a way to get out of it so that I can be happy again. So it had been kind of in the back of my mind that I needed to make a change. I think Dan really bringing up the conversation is what propelled it as far as whether or not it was going to be photography or how I was going to make this change. (laughs) So what I ended up doing is starting this nonprofit and I did Advocacy and education around autism for kids and adults who have autism in developing countries. So, we went to Nepal and the Maldives and did these huge projects to educate the government and the public just about autism. And it was so wonderful. And I got to travel, which is a huge passion of mine, and help kids and families in the world who really needed it. But at the same time, what it was was more social work. Okay. So, here I was burned out from my social work job. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to start a nonprofit and do even more social work. And it just got to the point where it was really weighing me down. So that was another deciding factor. And in the meantime, during all of this, when I was on these trips, I was taking a camera and photographing. And I did not have a DSLR at the time, but I was like, the most fun part for me was photographing on these trips. And I also had a friend who I watched on Facebook back in Michigan grow her photography business through Facebook. And I thought, oh my gosh, she's like, really doing an amazing job with this. And her work was beautiful. And so I started really paying close attention. And that is really what sparked the idea that, okay, if Catherine can do it, I wonder if I could. And just the combination of loving to do photographing while I traveled, plus watching my friend build a business, that was really what did it for me.
1: Right. So it gave you the confidence that you could make it work, but also you found something fulfilling because like you said, your social work and then having that nonprofit was fulfilling, but it was also energy draining, not energy giving
0: totally. just when I think back about like childhood and growing up and all of the things i I feel like I was just trying to fix everyone else, but I wasn't fixing myself like I wasn't helping myself, and so here I was trying to do all this stuff for other people when I was the one that wasn't truly happy with what I was doing so It was like this switch, like, okay, I think I'm done for now. That sounds so bad. I'm done helping other people. (laughs) It wasn't so like, it wasn't so cut and dry, but I knew I needed to really shift my focus to me as opposed to other people for a while. And I just decided photography was gonna be how I would do it.
1: Well, I think we're best equipped to serve other people when we are ourselves fulfilled.
0: That's such a good point because I was to the point In admitting this probably is not great, but I was to the point where someone would walk into my office and I remember just feeling really indifferent. And it wasn't fair to them and it wasn't fair to me. And like you said, if you aren't in a position where you're fully in it, whatever job that you're working at, whether it's in the helping profession or not, if you're not fully present and ready to be there and it's not fair to anyone. So at this time, are you living in Seattle? Yep. So this was two thousand. Eleven, almost two thousand twelve, when I made this decision, Dan actually had a Nikon D80, and when we when we would travel, he would use it and I wouldn't touch it. This, which is really funny to think about now, but technology has never been, it's just not an easy area for me. So I was really intimidated by it, and I was like, "All right, Dan." I need to le- learn how to use your camera. And he, actually, I forgot about this. He rides BMX and he was sponsored by a BMX clothing company and they needed a couple photos of him in these clothes. And I'm like, well, I can totally do this because I'm going to be a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> you have to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, you just have to show me how to use your camera. So he just showed me a couple things, just very basic. And I took some photos of him and I looked at him. And I'm like, huh, wow, okay, these turned Look out pretty that. good. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if I could do this. And so I just started using his Nikon D80 and... This is before I knew about any education from Sue and you know I didn't know really anything about right. anything. I was just YouTubing like what is f-stop and right the real basics of photography. Right and what shutter speed is and all you know so I just started YouTubing and then learning Photoshop and Yeah all that. and that's when I started shooting anyone who I possibly could. I tried babies and I was like nope that's not <laughs> not my thing. I tried families and high school seniors, anyone. I was still working as a social worker at this time. I should say too, this wasn't a situation where I could just like quit my job and have fun growing my business. That's That wasn't it at all. Okay.
1: So you depended on the support from your income?
0: Oh, for sure. Dan is an electrician and he's so great at what he does. But at the time he was working for a company, not in a union. I mean, he just was not making enough money to support us. I had to contribute for sure for our income. Yeah. So I was doing all of the business building and figuring out how to be a photographer while I was still working full-time. So you're moonlighting and figuring all the technical things out so that you could start charging a fee and eventually Exactly. The fact that I worked at a school, it was nice because with my coworker, because I could be like, Hey, can I photograph your family at the park on at four o'clock on Saturday? And they're like, Hell yeah, sign me up. You know, so right. I had a lot of people to practice on for sure. You know, at that point I started making friends and right. you know, I photographed a neighbor that lived upstairs. Dan and I lived in this little rental house in Seattle, and I would just ask neighbors, you know, whoever I could to photograph just to get that practice in. And I was so excited. So yeah. I just Any free time, that's what I did. And this was before we had kids, so I had a lot of extra free time. Okay.
1: And with free time, were you doing these free shoots, or did you start taking a fee for them?
0: Oh, yeah. Most of it was free at the beginning for sure. I think I did 10 or 11 free shoots, and I started charging like $75. That's what I did. Yeah, yeah. And just giving all of the digitals away on a CD and tagging them on Facebook and at the time my business was called I named my business I called it I thought I was so clever Nixie Photography because my f- best friends call me Nick and then my last name starts with a C so I was like oh Nixie Photography <laughs> <laughs> so that was my business that's cute I know yeah so that was my bu- my very first business name and is actually still my legal business name I just have a DBA now for Nikki Klosser so oh, weren't yeah, we
1: all so think. silly back in 2012 <laughs> yeah Cute, cute, How did you then become a business? When did you leave your job? What did that transition look like? And were you scared to now have to make that income up and provide through
0: photography? I realized I started, I did a couple weddings. I think my first wedding was right around $700 that I charged and I was up to like 125 bucks, but it was so not sustainable. The amount of hours of time I was spending, there was no way at that rate that I was charging that I was going to be able to quit my job. And it was stressful because I was like, I know this is what I want to do, but I don't know how to run a business properly. So it was at that time, just through lots of Google searches and looking for ways to make this work, I came across Sue Bryce, which is the same story for a lot of people who are now successful photographers. And I started watching one of her courses At the same time that my friend Jill had come to visit me in Seattle, and I know you know who Jill is, but for people out there, I'll just give a summary about, because this is actually how I ended up really connecting with Sue and getting my business started as well. So Jill had breast cancer. And she was coming to visit just to hang out. She had already had a double mastectomy. And we decided I was going to do some photos of her. And I was still so brand new and didn't really know 100% what I was doing. So I had rented a, this really beautiful hotel room for us in downtown Seattle. And we were just going to have a girls' night and, you know, have wine and just go out to dinner. And then we were going to do her photos the next day. And so that's what we did. And we had the best time. And so I had my laptop up with Sue's course playing and I'd pause it <laughs> like as she was going through something I would pause it and be like okay and now try. Jill yeah yeah now Jill like get through this <laughs> position or whatever and so I took these photos of Jill and I loved how they turned out and she loved They're them beautiful but at the same time there was this little part of me that was like Jill deserves a really cool photo shoot experience and she also wanted to tell her story about what it was like to just be a young woman with breast cancer and I thought at the time I didn't have an audience like I just didn't know that I was the person to help her with this, you know? So she went back to Louisville the next day in Kentucky and I ended up emailing Sue. And I said, hey, you know, I'm watching your course and I'm just really inspired. And I just feel like what you do for women in terms of making them feel so beautiful is so amazing. And my friends and I kind of, we want to go in on pooling our money together to book a photo shoot for Jill. Like, how do we go about doing that? Here's the photos that I just took of Jill. Here's her story. And so she emailed me back right away And the next day, she offered to take Jill and I to Paris to tell her story and to do a documentary of her. And she brought along Haley Bartholomew, who is a filmmaker. And like three weeks later, we were in Paris. And Sue did this stunning photo shoot and documentary that's called The Light That Shines. And it changed my life. It changed Jill's life. It was an absolute emotional, beautiful roller coaster to have that wow. experience, and unfortunately, Jill passed away in two thousand sixteen. But being able for her to share that with the world and just have that beautiful experience changed her life so significantly and gave her so much more joy and just passion to those last couple of years that she lived. Yeah, it was just really, really incredible. And shortly after coming home from Paris, going through all of that with Jill. And it opened my eyes to this sort of photography that can really change lives, I guess you could say. And again, still, I didn't know how to run a business yet.
1: But you understood the power of photography. You understood the emotions and the feelings that were providing not only the beautiful imagery, but the experience Yes. Of what Sue had been offering her clients. It's just incredible.
0: Yeah. And when we were in Paris, it wasn't, mm-hmm. I mean, of course we did go to the Louvre and like all these beautiful places, but also some of my favorite photos that came out of that was from the hallway in the this, hotel. Yes. And just moving mm-hmm. the furniture around in the room. And again, like this hallway that I never would have thought, oh, that's going to be a beautiful photo. All she needed was like this little corner of space and some good light. And so that triggered like, okay. I'm going to turn my family room, this little corner of my family room. And again, we lived in this like crappy little rental with bad carpet and peeling paint. But I was like, I'm going to do this in the little corner of my family room. And that's, that's what I did. I started bringing people in there and building my portfolio that way. And then slowly but surely, learning more from Sue about how to properly run a business. This was really exciting for me because, again, having zero business experience, I did not go to business school. I wasn't trying to like come up with a new way of how to run a business. That's not what I was looking for. But give me a business model that is proven to work and I can make it my own with my tweaks and give it my own feel based on my personality. Like I can do that all day long. So finding this business model was like, oh my gosh, I think this is exactly what I've been looking for and what I needed to get me truly launched.
1: That's amazing. And I love the... Comments. First of all, I didn't realize that that whole scenario came so quickly. How it happened so fast that you'd send an email and all of a sudden you're whisked off to Paris. I mean, that must have felt so <laughs> incredible to you, and to have had that experience like that. That whole story it chokes me up. I can't even tell you how many times I've watched that documentary. And maybe two years later, my 26 year old sister was diagnosed with breast cancer, and we watched it together. And we watched it with my mother. And um, you know, she is completely healthy now and was able to bear children that the doctors told her she couldn't. And But that story has touched so many of us, whether you've been affected personally or not. I can't believe that it kind of came onto your life in such a way that you weren't almost even prepared for it. But what a blessing for everyone involved. And I think it's safe to say that Jill touched Sue's life just as much.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. And I'm glad to hear your sister's doing better. That's She is. Samantha's
1: doing wonderful. So the first time I ever saw Sue do a photo shoot in front of me, that I was surprised about was how little light she needed and how the room is quite dark. And I think, you know, when you're watching the education online, that's maybe one of the things you don't initially realize as she's bending the light and using this very little light to do these incredible things. And that was one of my big ahas. And so I always want to try to tell people, you know, when you're watching these things, she's not using a ton of light and she's getting these moody, gorgeous images. So for you to have witnessed that in that hall, Way in Paris and then bring it into your apartment is very cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. And I had a lot of fun doing it. I couldn't wait to get home from work to do these. And as far as hair and makeup, if I was charging and all of, you know, at that time, the way that I did it is I said, I found a hair and makeup artist who, from shooting a wedding, I loved her work. So I was like, Kendra, you know, do you want to do hair and makeup at my house for these girls that I'm building this portfolio with? And so the, the, Deal was, when I was photographing people, all you have to do is pay for hair and makeup. It was like 125 bucks at the time. If you don't want to spend that, you can go to like the Nordstrom counter or, you know, you can try and do it yourself, whatever. Mac. And then, yeah. And then I just gave them the digitals. Because at that point, I wasn't really trying to sell. I was just trying to build a portfolio so that I could show potential client so that I could sell. You
1: were trying to get the confidence to
0: sell, weren't you? Exactly. Because I still needed to build my website. You know, all I had were these like family shoots and weddings. And so at that point is when I needed to build that up.
1: So this is when you knew you wanted to do glamour.
0: Correct. Okay. And so slowly but surely I started building a portfolio I felt really proud of and I was getting some good feedback about and I thought, okay, I'm going to start charging. And I just started doing a couple hundred bucks and then it just started kind of creeping up creeping up and then i did to shoot for $500 and i was like oh my gosh it is $500 and then the more i was learning about the business model i was kind of like avoiding it i think <laughs> like i was nervous i was scared like $1200 was the beginning package that sue was telling me i needed to start charging at that point and i was like i don't know sue like this is <laughs> really freaking me out and she was like no you can do it i know you can and I was like, all right, well, here I go. And so I ended up raising my prices. And, and then I had this client, Kelly, who found me online. And her business is called Women for One. And she needed new headshots. And I'll never forget, you know, I talked to her about what I do and just the process. And she asked me how much I charge or, you know, how much it would cost. And I couldn't say it out loud. <laughs> so I told her I would email her. And I had created this beautiful PDF that had my pricing. And so I'm like, oh, let me just – Let me just email you everything. It has all of the information. She's like, okay, no problem. So I ended up emailing the PDF and the starting price was at $1,200. And at that time, it was $1,200. But I was like, okay, I'm going to include 12 photos for $1,200 because then it's $100 a photo. And that doesn't seem that crazy to me, even though I was so scared when I sent that email. And she, she ended up writing back. She's like, let's do it. And at this time, I didn't have a studio. I was still doing it out of my family room, which you wouldn't have known looking at these photos. You never would have known that it was in my family room. I thought, okay, I need to book a studio for the day. And I rented, actually rented Sue's studio for 150 bucks for the day. And at this time, it wasn't even like this big, crazy studio yet. But so we did the shoot there. It was great. It went really well. And for her reveal, we met up at a little restaurant and did happy hour and I remember I brought the folio box. I had them all printed out. I had a ribbon around it, and we're sitting on these two little big oversized chairs. And I was—I'll never forget it. She opened it, and she was looking through them, and she was kind of quiet. And I was sweating like she, <laughs> she hates them. I know, oh my God, you know, like. And then she looked at me, and she was like, "I want them all." Oh. And I was like, "All of them?" She was like, "All of them." How much? And my top package was 2400 at that time. I looked at her and I was like, you can have them all for 1800 Like, I probably could have oh my gosh. sold them for more, you know? I was just absolutely blown away. And then a couple of days later, she reached out to me and said, I loved this experience for you so much. I want to book a shoot for four of my friends. Wow. And she wanted to pay for the smallest package for each friend and then if they wanted to upgrade they could. And so I had now four other women who were pretty connected in the Seattle area who I got to photograph these amazing women and I knew right then and there that I was ready to get a studio. It was like the confidence I needed. That's incredible. You know when you get that first big sale, it just it changes something in you. Yes, for sure. You're game changer. So then I decided it was time to get a studio and I started looking around and I found a studio it was like $1100 a month which was a pretty big chunk, it mean, still is a big chunk of change. But I had set a goal for myself that one more year of working and then I would be done. So then I ended up getting the studio. I went down a part-time for one year and then I was able to quit. So I had that studio, that extra $1,100 a month. Okay, And it just kept growing and growing. I mean, it wasn't always like a million clients coming in. I started out by giving away the session fee. So I was risking spending $249 out of my own pocket to pay my hair and makeup person, my assistant. I risked whether or not they would buy the photos, but of all those vouchers that I gave out, it was so funny because people wouldn't even really ask for a discount per se. It would just be like, they would inquire and I'd be like, oh yeah, you can have the session fee for free. <laughs> like Who <laughs> knows if they would even pay it. <laughs> yeah, because I was still so <laughs> nervous about it all. But yeah, slowly but surely, I only had one non-sale through that time through that whole first year in that studio it was totally my fault this was at the beginning i didn't educate them about the pricing and they thought they could just buy one or two and at that time i was package only i never i've never done the a la carte so it was only package the minimum you could spend coming in was twelve hundred dollars and this is before i put personal branding packages into play but right. yeah so it ended up working out great and i was able to quit my job a year later so as you're ramping up your business now you're a full-time photographer what education
1: did you use to get into the technicalities of photography? I know you were learning a camera. How did you learn posing? How did you use your light? Were you all natural light? Did you learn studio lighting? What was your progress through, whether it was super ice education or other ways into learning how to do this on your own?
0: I've always been a natural light photographer, again, probably because the thought of learning studio lights intimidated me. And having been a wedding photographer for so long too, so long, it was like, I had to learn off-camera flash. And that was the part that, ugh, I just like hated it. So in my mind, I equated all of that to studio lighting. So I stuck with only natural light at that point. And all I used was a piece of foam core as a, a huge reflector and window with sheer curtains. And again, I completely replicated Sue's natural light setup. Honestly, again, it came down to just finding the education that worked for me that was simple. I didn't want this like complicated tutorials about stuff that was so confusing to me. And the way that she teaches just kind of spoke to me because it's so simple. Like you need an Apple box, a hairdryer, a reflector, and a camera and a window. And that's it. That spoke to me because it was super simple. And then as far as posing, again, it's like, I didn't have to recreate the wheel whatsoever because she's like, here's this pose and then this pose and then this pose. And I'm like, all right, I can do that. I can follow this model. You tweak things to make it your own, of course. Like the way that I connect with my clients and interact with them, I think is a huge strength for me. So you find ways to make it your own. And I just, I don't know. I just was able to take her education and make it work in my own business. I just didn't really need much else because that was it. And I was just so nose to the grindstone of just so hyper focused on making this work that I kind of stopped paying attention to what other photographers around me were doing. Like people will say, oh, well, in my city, there's so many other photographers and they charge way less than me. And that was 100% the case in Seattle. Mm -hmm. But I just didn't pay attention because I was so hyper-focused on my own success. Like, failure was just not an option to me. And the only way that I could focus on my own success was to just keep my blinders on and just do my thing and find something that worked for me. And what Sue taught, it just worked for me. So I just stuck with it. So how did you in your first
1: full-time year in your studio – how were you getting clients? And I know the one client sent you friends. Did they just continue to send you friends? Were you using what the photographer who inspired you, like Facebook marketing? Were you networking? And then how does that differ from what you're doing today to bring clients in?
0: Yes. Those women that I photographed absolutely sent me clients, but it wasn't like all of a sudden now I have enough clients and that's all I had to do. I mean, referrals are, were then a, a huge part of my business and are still like my business runs on referrals right now. But I knew I needed more coming in for sure. So networking, I ended up doing – okay, I I take that back. I ended up – before I learned about networking groups, I did a women's show. It was called the Northwest Women's Show where tons of people just set up booths with all things women-related. And it was a lot of work, and it was very expensive to be in the show. And I did book several shoots, and so it was great, but it was – I think the best thing that came, actually, I know the best thing that came out of it is I met this woman, Nikki, who had a booth across from me, and she taught me about networking, women's networking groups. And that just, the way that I marketed in women's networking groups is truly what revolutionized my business and brought me in client after client after client. Well, what I love about
1: networking is you're building real relationships and they're long-term relationships and they have their short-term advantages, but are they still feeding your business to this day?
0: Yes, which is funny. And I know that you had a ton of success too with with networking groups. I actually – well, okay – Fast forward, I do live in Michigan now and I have a studio here. So when I did move here, I had to start networking all over again because I was starting my business in a new community. But back in Seattle, I have not been to a networking group in Seattle going on two and a half years now. And my referrals still keep coming from women who I had met, who knew someone who knew me from a networking group. Because on my website, it's how did you hear about me? So I can track how people are hearing about me. And nine times out of 10, it's from someone who I know who was in a networking group. I mean, we're fortunate to have a business of photography where it's such a visual business so that we can post their photos and tag clients and people are like, wow, you know, I really love those photos. Who took your photograph? And they're like, oh, Nikki Klosser did. And however, I do have to say, it wasn't always like that. It took me a good year of going to multiple different groups and just nurturing those relationships. I also targeted a few women in each group who I thought would be maybe evangelists for me I paid attention to their social media how often they were posting if someone did something for them were they tagging other people so for example if someone was tagging the stylist that they used or someone was tagging where they bought their shirt or someone you know that was the kind of person I wanted to photograph because I knew that they would talk about me Are they active on social media? Are they influencers in the group? And do they have a good following? And it wasn't even so much the following. It was more about how they interacted on social media that I would target people and offer to do a trade. I traded for tons of different things. And sometimes it wasn't even a trade. Sometimes it was like, hey, I just want to photograph you because I want you in my portfolio, like straight up. I'll give you these digitals for free. And again, nine times out of 10, it was the best decision I made because now I had this evangelist who really loved my work and was sharing what I did for her because she enjoyed the experience and she finally has these photos that she's proud of. So it just all snowballed that way.
1: That's incredible. That's why they say, what is it? Networking is more like farming and not hunting.
0: Totally. And
1: they're planting the seeds and the fruits of your labor come
0: maybe later. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, the older I get, the more I realize I sort of am, I'm way more of an introvert than I ever thought I was. And, you know, networking is one of those things where I am fortunate because I, I feel like I'm pretty good in terms of having conversations. But there were days where I just did not want to go. And I would sit in my car when I got there and think like, oh, I don't know if I can do this right now. Like, it's just so much energy. And but I had to because I knew that if I wanted to never be a social worker again, this business needed to be financially sustainable. And so I would force myself to go in. And every time I did, I was so glad at the end, I would leave thinking, so glad I just did that because something came out of it. Maybe I had a great conversation with someone, or maybe I learned about a service that I needed. I tried to not always make it about me and me booking clients. But in the end, There was always something that I could take away that was going to help my business in some way. And so I always had to focus on that.
1: That's wonderful. So you touched on this just a minute ago. You said, well, now I'm in Michigan and I have a studio here, but I still get all this work back in Seattle. So we all want to know, I want to know. How are you doing this with two children in two studios in two different states? Like your life is so much different (laughs) than it was in 2012, 2013 when you were ramping this up. And you're the hostess of an amazing podcast. How are you doing all of this? (laughs) Tell us your secrets, Nikki.
0: Oh, man. Coffee
1: is probably one answer.
0: Uh, (laughs) It's crazy. Life is crazy. Back when I was really initially starting, the business. I didn't have kids yet. And, you know, it's funny because I actually joined one of the groups that I joined is called, was called Business Among Moms. And I wasn't even a mom, but I joined anyway. <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't care. And so it ended Aspiring up being a lot of people who are Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> so I was doing the whole networking circuit pretty intensely from 2014 to 2018. And I ended up having our first son in 2016. And at the time, I was still shooting weddings and I was still doing senior portraits and personal branding because the networking groups had really ramped up. And then I was still doing, you know, mother-daughter shoots and just women who were celebrating turning 50 or losing weight or, you know, just the different reasons that people come in. So when I had my son, I remember, let's see, I had him in June, end of June. And then I had to shoot a wedding in September. And I was like, I was breastfeeding, so I had to pump every couple hours, and I ended up going back to work. This is probably a little TMI, but <laughs> so my son was premature and he only weighed like three pounds when he was born. And so he spent four weeks in the NICU. And at that time, like, I just was like, what business? I just didn't even care about anything at that point. And he's super healthy and he's so wonderful and he's so great now. There's not a thing wrong with him. Like, we're so fortunate. But when he came early, he came a month early. And so I lost track of everything because I had all of these shoots that I didn't do because my son came early and he was in the NICU. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, my son is healthy and he's home now. And so now I have to refocus because we really need this income. And plus I loved what I did. That was one of the things that scared me the most about having kids and why I waited as long as I did. I was afraid that it would get in the way of my business. That might sound really crazy, but I I was afraid that having kids would change my life to the point where I wouldn't be able to work or something. I don't even know what I was thinking. (laughs) So once I brought my son home, I was like, okay, need to start doing these shoots that I had to reschedule. And then the ones I was supposed to have done, I mean, it was just a mess. So I ended up doing my first shoot after having him by C-section. It was like five weeks after I had him. So brought him home, And then, like a week later, I went back and did my first shoot. And I was pumping during, and part of it was like a welcome break to get away for four hours. You know, when you are just like full on, just like mom, you know how it is. It's like I'm someone who really benefits. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm someone who like benefits from a mental break. So, going back to work for me was a welcomed type thing. I didn't overdo it, but so I was having to pump. So, I would, In the middle of the shoot, be like, oh, we have to take a 15-minute break so I can pump because I was breastfeeding. Anyway, so those shoots were totally manageable. It was only four hours away from my son, maybe two or three times a week. Like, it was working out great. Fast forward to September when I had my first wedding. I swear it was the first time I had a wedding that was so far behind on the timeline that they hadn't even started the first dance by 9 p.m. when I was supposed to be done. And I was freaking out because I had been away from my son for almost 14 hours and I was so not okay with it. I was having to take a break every three hours to go into the bathroom to pump. Like, I was a mess. And that was the day I decided I was not going to do weddings anymore. I already had some booked for the next year, but I stopped booking them all together and that was it. And I knew then, like, I need to rely fully on portraits at this time. So this is 2016. Those next two years... So 2017, 2018 is when I really, the networking groups, I like really went to town <laughs> and just looked at all the different avenues of marketing. I feel like I totally did not just answer your... <laughs>
1: well, we're still going. So so now then what happens? You have Do you first ha- open another <laughs> studio in Michigan or do you have another baby and then open another studio in
0: Michigan? This is a good question. When I was... I think seven months pregnant, we flew flew back to Michigan. I used to go back and forth all the time. I actually wanted to move back to Seattle uh, way before we did. And so I would go back to see my family and friends all the time. And when I was there, I thought, you know what, I should be working while I'm here. This is crazy. And I would do the outdoor shoots and I did weddings when I would come back. But because I was hyper-focused now on my in-studio portraits, I needed a studio. So I was seven months pregnant and I came home from my baby shower to Michigan. And I looked at a couple studio spaces, found one that I wanted and flew back to Michigan. I did a trade with my cousin that I would shoot his wedding. It was a very small wedding, by the way, if he would install new flooring in the studio. And then my uncle painted this, the walls white for me. And meanwhile, I'm back in Seattle. Then I decided I was going to have a booth at the Plymouth Art in the Park. So my studio is in Plymouth, Michigan, and they do art in the park every year. However, I'm in Seattle, eight and a half months pregnant, so, some of my family members and my makeup artist agreed to run this art fair. So, it was just crazy. So now, I I hardly had a studio up and running, but I was already marketing it at this art fair because I'd already done it before in Seattle. That's a thing when you when you switch to a new place. If you've already done it in one place, you just have to recreate what you did in the other city. Yeah, it's like a formula. Totally. And it was a little frustrating because I was like, I've already done all of this. I don't <laughs> want to do it again. But you have to. You can't skip any of those steps. But I'd already done shows. I already had the stuff. I just had to send it to them. And so they did this show and they booked several shoots for me there. Meanwhile, I'm having a baby. And it was just crazy. It was like such a crazy time. So yeah, so I opened my studio that year that I had my first son. And then he was, I think, eight weeks old when we first brought him back to Michigan. And I did several shoots while I was there and just started marketing there just like how I did in Seattle. And we went back and forth for a few years until just at the beginning of 2020, we officially moved back to Michigan. Yeah. So here I am now in Michigan and I still have my studio in Seattle.
1: So are you a one woman show? Do you fly back to Seattle to shoot or do you have someone there?
0: Okay, so I do both. I try to go back every other month. Sometimes it depends. So what I do is I have an associate photographer who I've trained you know, to shoot just like me. She does the shoot and then I do the editing. Well, I have a retoucher, but I put my own, like my preset, my colors and make it look how, so that it's consistent with my brand. And then we share the profits based on which package. She does the sales session. Yeah, it works out really well. So what I do is if someone inquires, You know, for a Seattle shoot, I'll say, okay, here's my next opening. It might not be for another, you know, month and a half. If the next time I'm coming, if I'm already booked for that time, it might not be for three months out. So, what I'll do is I'll say, okay, I do have an associate photographer. She's so amazing. She does the photo shoot. I do the editing. She shoots just like me, and we'll give you a hundred and fifty dollar gift voucher towards a package. If you choose to book with Janelle, if you book with me, you know, these are the dates. If you book with Janelle, she can get you in next week and you get $150 to spend. And sometimes they choose to go with Janelle and sometimes they're like, nope, I'll wait for you. So it just depends on how many people I say that you know say that they want to wait for me and how many people want to go with Janelle and and that's basically how we do it and it works out really really well that's really neat that makes sense so
1: then are your children and Dan going with you and does this work out with Dan's work or does he work or are you providing how does that how does your family dynamic work
0: we've done it both ways as as far as traveling with the kids you know for portrait masters conferences and stuff like that the kids have come and But I'm to the point now where they are almost four and almost two. And I'm okay with leaving them for a couple days. In fact, it's like a welcome break for me just to have some space and some time. So once I hit more than three days, I start to really get stir crazy for them. But So usually what I do is I go by myself. So I fly in like on a Wednesday. I do my shoots Thursday, Friday, and I fly back to Michigan on Saturday. It's a total whirlwind. But it's okay because I'd rather not spend – You know, if I'm going to spend a lot of time away from my kids, it's going to be like on a girl's trip in the Bahamas. Sure, (laughs) right, not to go and work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Dan's been staying home with the kids. And then he – Dan works part-time now. He actually just started his own business. I should say that he ended up quitting the job that he worked at. And we were so fortunate – you know, his full-time job, he was able to quit and just go down to very, very part-time. And we were so fortunate that we didn't have to do daycare full-time. We did do some daycare. Because I thought that I was going to be able to, like, work from home and edit all of these. Because he didn't quit until Van was a year old, our first son, Van. I thought I was going to be able to, like, work with Van there. And that was a nightmare. Like, anytime I was trying to work while he was awake, or even when he wasn't awake, if he was napping, it's like, okay, do I edit these photos and return these clients or do I shower? Right. <laughs> I don't know why I thought... I think being entrepreneurs, maybe we put more pressure on ourselves that we can work when our kids are here. But that was really, really hard for me. And it's still really hard for me to this day. You know, even now, all of us having to stay home and be at home, you know, right now I'm hiding out in our little toy room recording this Dan's holding down the fort with the kids, hoping that they don't walk in at any moment. But, you know, that's just how it goes when we're entrepreneurs and we have kids, you know, we have to be flexible. But back then... I knew we, something had to change, and that's when Dan ended up quitting, and he stayed home. We both took care of Van, but he spent a lot of time at home with him so I could work because my income was now paying our bills. So Nikki, we talked earlier about
1: people saying, oh, my market is saturated or we can't charge that much here in my town and back and forth. Now you're in two completely different markets. I'm assuming the Michigan market is not the same as the Seattle market. Do you notice a difference? Do you price accordingly? Do you change your price list for one studio to the other? Or are you same across the board? How do you go and work in two different markets in your same business model?
0: Someone did say to me, you know, you can't charge what you charge in Seattle, you can't have those same prices in Michigan, right? And I was like, well, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> and we'll see how it goes, because I know what I need to charge in order to be sustainable. And on top of it, too, we purchase a home in Michigan. So we have a lake house now here, which is a, such a dream come true for me. And we've got the Seattle house. And you know, it's not like my bills are getting less. I've now got two studio rents. So charging less wasn't so much of an option for me. But I think I let it get into my head a little bit. And also, like I said before, recreating what I did in Seattle is what I needed to do in Michigan. And what I did in Seattle when I was first starting, when I didn't have a million referrals coming in, was giving out gift vouchers. And so that's what I did, is I started going to networking groups here in Michigan, and I started giving out gift vouchers. And that is kind of what set the stage for me here and i'm not quite as busy here in michigan as i am and have been in seattle but i also have not put in as much time and effort into the marketing and the groups here as i did in seattle so to me that is expected like that makes sense to me because what you nurture grows and i haven't put quite as much nurturing into my michigan studio like just enough so that i'm busy enough but not as much as i have so you know and that's something that i'll continue to reevaluate as things go but in the end, a woman is a woman and women who want photos when they want the experience and when you position yourself to be the photographer that everyone wants, where you have people saying great things about you, you're showing amazing work, you're providing great service, they're going to pay it. End of story. Like I mean, my my main bread and butter that I love to do is personal branding. One because I hate working weekends and Evenings. So that's kind of why I, I backed away a little bit from seniors too, is I don't want to work evenings. You know, I don't want to work weekends. I've got a lake house now. Like, I want to be with my family who are coming to visit on the weekends. And so personal branding has been my bread and butter and I love it. And women who ha- have businesses in Michigan, realtors, insurance agents, life coaches, like you name it, they need photos just like any other woman in any other market. <laughs> and so it's just worked out.
1: That's good to know. I was hoping that was the answer that you had because the experience doesn't change. The value doesn't change. You're not letting the market drive your pricing. You're saying, this is how I'm valuing the service I'm offering you. And then the people are reflecting it back with a paycheck to you.
0: Correct. And it's not, you know what? I have gotten a like, whoa, that's a lot. Like I can't spend that much. And that's okay. Like that happens. And some of those people who said that have come back you know, a year later because maybe they didn't have a great experience with someone else or they just saved the money or whatever. So I'm to the point in my career where if someone tells me I'm too much, I'm okay with that. That's fine. Someone else is going to say yes and and that's okay. You know, it's just one of those things where I just, once I shifted my energy to that, more bookings come in because it's, and again, I learned this from Sue too, it's just like the energy in which you put yourself out there is going to determine what you attract really so yes i have people who tell me i'm too expensive and that's so fine and i'm like you know what i would love to photograph you one day so when you're ready i'm here and that's it that's amazing
1: so now that we know what life looks like for you now what is really working for you like what do you feel very positive about and what's something that you still are struggling with
0: having two little kids and two studios across the country and where we live is an hour drive from my studio because where I live is in a super tiny town and my studio is in the town where I grew up in Plymouth and it's a lot like life is hectic (laughs) for sure there are times when I wonder if maybe I should slow down a little bit. Like being the host of this podcast has been a nice way to stay home more and not be like, go, 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 go all the time because I get to record this from home, which is really nice. That's been kind of a welcome break for me as far as the chaos that comes along with managing because it's not like I have, I have a retoucher and I do have a virtual assistant who does just a couple things for me here and there. But for the most part, I am a one woman show. And so I think sometimes that can be hard because I'll look and see that I miss an email that came in and I haven't responded and it's been three days. And then I give myself a hard time about it and I'm like, oh, I got it. You know, I need to like get better with like these systems and the organizational piece of it. That's not my strong suit. And maybe I really should hire this virtual assistant like full time to manage my emails and things like that. But do I really want to let go of that money right now? And it, it's just always this sort of analyzing how I can make things better, but I love, I definitely love my life right now. It's great. You know, I'm so fortunate. I'm staring out at a lake right now. I can hear my husband wrestling with my kids, which hopefully you can't hear (laughs) in the other room. I've got a great business going. Like, you know, life is good. And I, and I feel like I've worked really, really hard for it, for sure. It's not like it just happened overnight. So, you know, especially to people out there who maybe you're feeling frustrated with businesses If it's coming along slow, or you're still in a job that you're trying to get out of, like I was there. I remember what that felt like. You know, I think sometimes people might think that when someone does have a successful business, that it's like was so easy for them. So I can sit here and talk all day about what I've done, but that doesn't mean it was easy. It was just staying focused, I think, on everything, you know, and just moving forward and having days, which I know you can relate to too, is having rough days and deciding that's not what is gonna define me or my business, you know, okay, so I missed a couple emails. Like I'm not gonna beat myself up over it. I'm just gonna look at how I can get better at responding. So I created a new label. When I see an email that comes in, I right away I label it respond. So then at the end of the day or the next morning, I just go right to that folder that's called respond. And now that's the first thing I do. I'm not gonna miss any more emails. So I think if you you know, it's all such a learning lesson every time You know, we mess something up. Okay, so now what can I do to be better?
1: Well, I do just have to give you props, Nikki, and you know I love you, and we have kind of a weird way of our lives going on the same path at the same time and connect in that way, but you have done an incredible job. I admire you so much. I only have one kid, and sometimes I feel like I can't keep my head screwed on. And I just, you know, I want to say to you that you've just inspired us all through this podcast and through your journey and just keep going and do it at the pace that feels right for you and your growing family. And I remember one time, and I, I'm sure you've had a similar experience. I had an opportunity to be physically with Sue, and I said to her, tearing up, you know, you do the whole like cheers in my eyes, like, Sue, you changed my life. And she turned around and looked at me and said, no, you changed your Mm -hmm. life. totally, And that's what I think when I think of you. Like you're the one. Yeah, so you saw someone who did it. And yeah, you found confidence by having this incredible experience in Paris, but you're the one who did the work. And anyways, that was just me giving you a virtual hug and props to you for being such an amazing business owner and awesome mom and great friend.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. I re- yeah, you know, it Sue won't take credit for changing anyone's lives cuz she does say that. Like, no, you guys are the ones who are doing the work. She's just e- putting out the education and and it is it is one of those things where we do, we do have to put in the work. I do appreciate that you recognize that cuz some days I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like burning the candle at both ends. <laughs> Of course. I look at other parents who have more than two kids and how they're doing it, and I'm like, holy, like, how are you? <laughs> you know, so I feel like we can always look at people who we think have it like harder or easier than us, and, you know, we can do the whole comparison thing. But in the end, it's really, we have to be the ones to make the changes and to do the work and decide what our priorities are and what our values are and just kind of go from there.
1: Right. So, what's next for you? Do you. And your family plan on like writing this out, what you're doing currently for a while? Do you have something else in mind? Are you looking to grow in another way?
0: Being a photographer is my income, and I love it. And I also love stretching my wings a bit in terms of especially being a mom now and just being a mom entrepreneur. I love talking about it, and I love talking about the... (laughs) <laughs> the crazy things that come along with it and the fun things and the the moments that make your heart melt and the things that, you know, you want to pull your hair out. So I have extended my brand a little bit to something called Busy as a Mother. So I'm working a lot on that along with shooting. And so that's been really fun just to write about and speak about being a mom and being an entrepreneur and, and how to make that all work and the trials and tribulations. So that's fun too. So. I kind of need, need to look at ramping up my marketing here in Michigan, you know, for photo shoots there and focusing on being this podcast host of the portrait system. It's just brought me so much joy. And I didn't know, I I don't think I realized how much I would really love doing it. I'm so interested in other people and their stories. So it's just such a fun outlet for me to do this with other people, you know, and to interview other people. I'm really, really loving it. I love that. Well, keep going because you're great at it. Thank you. I'm really honored that Sue and the team asked me to do this. I mean, it's it's something I really, really look forward to. Just like when I think I, I back of when I first started shooting, it was, the, it was the most exciting part of my day. And now being a podcast host, it's like, oh, don't get me wrong, I love being a photographer, but I've been doing it for a while now. So it's not quite as like, you know, I find creative projects through photography that excite me and that sort of thing. But now it's like, oh, I get to do a podcast recording today. It's one of the most exciting parts of my day now. So it's really fun. Yeah.
1: So at the end of your podcast, you always ask your guests for questions. So is it okay if I turn the tables on you, put you in the hot seat and ask Ooh, you some yeah. questions? Is that all right? Absolutely. <laughs> so first of all, what's something that you cannot live without when you're shooting?
0: Okay, you'd think I would have thought <laughs> about all this. and had it fared. Um So for me, a reflector is something from day one that I've used. And I don't even remember where I initially learned about using a a reflector from. But from the start, I feel like that is one of the things that helped set me apart and really, you know, because it gets that catch light and it makes the skin extra glowy. And so to this day, I cannot shoot without a reflector by far. That's my number one answer for sure. Love that. How do you spend your time when you aren't photographing? with my little rugrats my husband (laughs) van and dre my boys for sure traveling well, obviously we can't travel right now but traveling is one of my highest values it's something i've always done i've i've traveled alone to nepal and thailand and cambodia and just oh i love it and once my boys get older i cannot wait to bring traveling back in to our lives more
1: i saw you got to escape to
0: mexico recently with i know we did we did yeah You know, travel in general is for sure how I spend my time when I'm able. That's huge for me. I'm also, I have such an amazing group of girlfriends who whenever I can, we hang out. I'm big on that. I'm big on friendships and family. And so yeah, with my family, friends and travel is how I would spend all day every day. I love that. So what is Nikki Klosser's favorite inspirational quote? Okay, quotes. I did prepare for this one because I knew this was coming. (laughs) I have two quotes that I kind of think about a lot. In my head. One of them, it's from a movie called Party Monster, which I've never actually seen the movie. So I'm not saying this is a good or bad movie because I've never seen it. But I remember hearing this quote It says, I mean, if you have a hunchback, just throw a little glitter on it, honey, and go dancing. (laughs) So (laughs) when I saw this, I thought, you know what? It's all about making the best with what you have. And yes, okay, if you have a hunchback, that might not be the most ideal situation, but just like, let's just make the best of it. You know, put some glitter on it and go dancing. There's just something about it, that quote, that just really stuck with me. And I know it sounds kind of silly, but I just really love it. I'm feeling it. And then the second quote is, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't, change your attitude, which is Maya Angelou. There's nothing worse than someone complaining over and over and over and over about a situation and not taking any steps whatsoever to make it different. We have control of the changes that we can make in our life. I mean, you know, for the most part, and no one's going to do it for us. So that sticks out to me with Maya Angelou. Those are awesome.
1: I'm going to write those down. (laughs) (laughs) So what would you say to someone who's just getting started, who's just either picking up a camera or starting a photography business? What's your word of
0: advice? Oh, gosh, I feel like I could go on forever about this. But I mean, to sum it up, really, it's about not trying to create the wheel and taking steps forward. So find something that a business model or whatever that works for you and just start doing it. Don't focus on having everything so perfect before you start. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. And so it's just a matter of making the decision that you're going to do it and every day doing something to walk towards it. I mean, truly, that's, that's the, the best really advice that I can give to someone is you just have to start doing it and don't try and recreate the wheel. There are so many resources out there for you. You, know, you don't have to make it hard. Don't take the hard route. <laughs> right,
1: and don't be paralyzed by the amount of resources either. Choose one thing, tackle one thing at a time. Totally,
0: that's such a good point.
1: So where can everyone find you? What's your social media handles? How do we get a hold of you and follow you in your next journeys and beyond?
0: Oh, yeah. So Instagram is just my name, Nikki Klosser. And then my website is com, And then my blog. My blog is actually focused on busy as a mother. So that's where all my busy as a mother stuff and podcast is and all that. Yeah. I mean, just pretty much my name. I'm like, it's not Nixie Photography anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that yeah. so much. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh. Well this has been so Wait, did you fun. have what was your business when you when you first started out? You just you just updated your website, right?
1: Yeah. So I was KH photography. So I had this really crazy ornate over the top logo at first that, you know, when you put your watermark all over photos, real huge, like it's the only thing that matters. (laughs) It was so bad. And I was a graphic designer, which just speaks terribly about my graphic design skills. And then it was Christina Hauser photography for a long time. And after going through divorce and also bringing on associate photographers, I made the decision to change it to Visual Muse Studio. So.
0: Right. Yeah. It looks great. I checked out your website. Thank
1: you. Yeah. It looks amazing. I love it. I really appreciate that. Well, this has been so fun getting to chat with you and getting to hear about your story since you're always sharing everyone in our community's stories with us. And we just appreciate you, Nikki, and are rooting for you.
0: And I'm sending you so much love. Oh, thank you so much, Christina. I can't wait to see you again. It probably won't be till Portrait Masters, I'm assuming, right? Something uh, like that. Probably so. Although maybe we—that I mean, would be much anticipated. Yeah, we'll see how how everything goes in the world right now. But I would love to just do a girls' weekend or something. Love we'll to plan that. We'll, you need it on there. <laughs> All right, thanks, Annie. Thanks for being my interviewer. You made it so easy for me. Oh, good. It was my pleasure. Bye. Bye.